It's not the footy we want, but it's probably the footy we deserve. The constant midweek games feel like footy fans' equivalents of eating your greens, but until we get to the good stuff of finals. But I'm sure it's better than no footy at all. Luckily, we have a spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down, and that medicine is the fresh takes of the punter's profit, Big Bustling Baz. How are we doing this fresh Saturday morning, Brian? Uh, good, mate. Good. Just got a couple of coffees in, some water, getting ready to go for a run after this. But uh, it's all good. And uh, you call me the punter's profit, mate. You uh, jagged yourself a little $10 bet in our best bets for over the last few days. So yeah. we actually went all right. Finally we, hitting we, some form. Yeah, we actually went all right again, which uh, if it wasn't for Melbourne and GWS, we would have got all our bets up. But um I'm sure we'll talk about them in no doubt at some point during this podcast. Please do something! Do! Don't think! Think! Don't hope! Do! But first, we'll get to your favourite topic this year, and that is taking pod shots at Richmond. So, segment one, Coach's Corner. Not so much to rehash whether it was right or wrong, if you can eat kebabs at 2am in the morning, because frankly, no one cares. But what we do care about is this age-old question, which is, does the off-field affect the on-field? So if you were Damien Hardwick, would you be worried that it's all about to come crumbling down? Or do you look to look to the inspiration of many other successful clubs like West Coast during the Coke facade or uh, even Collingwood during their reign where they had the Rat Pack busily doing their best to bring the club down from the outside in? But unfortunately for everyone else, they survived and won some premierships. So what would be your take here and what do you think Dim is doing behind the scenes whilst the rest of his uh, Tigers are running amok? It depends on what – obviously, the off-field stuff hasn't affected Richmond yet because, I mean, the whole Koch and stuff hasn't really affected them. And Koch, Koch has been playing good footy, so that hasn't. But then there's this, there's this new one, new scandal affect them. So you look at Collingwood, you know, Collingwood's generally in the, in the papers for all the wrong reasons because, you know, we sell papers, so it doesn't matter what little scuffle or whatever happens, we always find our way, um, whether it's exaggerated or not, like Mark – Robertson loves to do that, but um, you know, Richmond is starting to find that 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 out a bit now because they're you know hundred thousand members and they know that if they write stories about them, they get lots of clicks. So does it? That, will the next? I reckon the one that's with Sydney Stark and stuff will definitely have an effect on the team morale. Um, if I was Dimmer Harwick, I'd probably be having definitely have a meeting with the leadership group, and then I'd probably be pu- pulling in the players. And let the players talk about it. Um, they probably don't want to hear from Dimmer. They're probably sick of hearing from Dimmer about this stuff. Let the players talk about it. And if Dimmer's smart, he'd probably, uh, as well as his leadership group, he probably would have called in a few of the more sort of quiet up yet popular players and had a chat to them and really encourage them to speak out. Because if you get one of those sort of players to speak out that generally doesn't speak in that sort of environment, if you can manage to try and like, coax one of them without actually asking them to do it, which is it's good man management, um, the players will tend to take a lot more notice of what they're saying instead of the, the usual leaders that are always talking anyway. So yeah, that's probably what you you know it's a bit of my like I said, a bit of man management, a bit of mind uh, mind play, a bit of manipulation, but it's all part of it as well when you're a coach. So. Um, not that you not that you're trying to do it on purpose or anything. It's more trying to get the best out of your team. It's what you it's what you got to do as a coach and what you got to do as a leader. So um, that's how I'd probably be taking it from Damien Hardwick. I'll be a bit worried about what's going to happen this week. But um, even if even if they got Sydney Stark and uh, Jones to talk to the playing group a bit as well, maybe that might have helped um, 
But I'm sure a bit like Collingwood, you see Collingwood up with all the off-field stuff. It doesn't really affect them in the end, does it? So mm. when we've had it for years and years, and it's never really affected us. On I think you got to try and separate it a bit. And I think that's what a lot of local footy clubs do. You think about how many local footy clubs have not culture issues, but have players that live normal lives and go out on a weekend and all that sort of stuff. And then it comes Tuesday, Thursday, it's it's their get away from everything. Like, you know, you talk about mental health and stuff like that. Footy is, a, is an escape for a lot of people. So I, I'm sure it's very, very, or it would be very, very similar for a lot of AFL players. The pathway that takes you there, there's a very sudden change. Even if you've only played, if you came through the VFL ranks, or the state league ranks, and then suddenly you're an AFL player. And whilst before you were like, oh, no one knew who what I, what I, what I was doing other than what I was doing on a Saturday. And now yeah. it's, oh, everyone knows what I'm doing all the time. So Yeah, well, if you play for a big club, it doesn't matter like what play, who, which player you are. If you play for a Collingwood or a, a, you know, a Richmond, I mean, you look at um, some of the breaches in, in hub life or even in the um, before we went to, into this hub, like the – Players obviously had certain COVID um, standards that they lived up to, especially if they were in Melbourne at that time. And, you know, the Melbourne players got done. You know, a Melbourne supporter dobbed them in. So, I mean, Melbourne aren't a big club by any, you know, stretch of the imagination. They're a pretty small club in my opinion. But, um, but like, all it takes is a supporter to know who you are and you're in, in strife. And it, Richmond and Collingwood, like, and even Essendon and Carlton, you could be a – fifth round rookie selection from three years ago is still on the list. And if you, you, you find enough, you support it, they know who you are. So. Mm. It's very silly. It's a very silly move by anyone who wants to try and break that COVID because I suppose, again, the only thing I see about it as a cultural issue is just the selfishness. Given this season and you you could be the player that brings down it for your club, they might just say, oh, well, the whole club has to go home or is out of the comp now because you're, you're contaminated or you bring the whole competition down. And that would be a pretty savage move for a 2 a.m. kebab. But. Well, the, I think it was 3.20 a.m., wasn't it? But um, <laughs> the funny thing was, I don't, like, they probably would have almost got away with it if it wasn't for the scuffle. So I, I've been thinking, or oh, this is not, well, if, if they thought they'd go out and get away with it, are there other players who have done it and got away with it? There has to be. If you just think of their own COVID experiences in Melbourne, you just know there are people that are breaking the rules and everyone's just making their choice. Like, oh, this is okay, but that's not. So if they didn't get in a scuffle, then they, they would have probably gotten away with it. Yeah. Which is baffling to think that there's that many players. And like, so that many players could be bringing down the, the AFL competition. That's why I think Richmond nearly lost. There was a talk that they would lose four premiership points. Mm. And the thing is as well, like we know that Richmond and West Coast, and we mentioned it plenty of times on this podcast recently, have been – you know, the bugs bear of the AFL with requests and um, all these sorts of things that they want in the hub life. Yet when, you know, the AFL is pretty much bent over for both these clubs, West Coast and Richmond, and almost it's got to the point where the AFL said, hang on, just pull up a bit, like you're probably going over the top. And yet they go throw it back in the AFL's face by doing this. And I know it wasn't the club, it was players, but, you know, it's costing the AFL four point something mean a, a week or like, you know, the AFL also just flew up board members, which I don't know why board members are important. Um, you know, why they need to go up onto this hub. They're flying up families, they're flying up everything at the moment. Media and like, all on the AFL dollar. Yet there's always people in the AFL losing their jobs. Mm. So I know I was heard Nick Rewalt wasn't too happy about it last night. And I agree with him. Like, you know, 
James Sutherland, for instance, the board member of Geelong, he works for Golf Australia now. So why is he up there on in the hub? Mm. So all these little things, and I'd, I'd imagine like players would probably be questioning the same thing. They'd be knowing staff that are getting sacked or players that are about to get delisted because they're about to shorten list sizes. Yet we've got AFL staff that are up there for no particular reason on the AFL's money. So does that you know that could play in the players and clubs you know sort of psyche as well. So. I've never seen this before and I'll tell you what, you have to be a good coach and a good mentor to keep your players into fully focused. And that's probably why we've seen clubs, you know, drop off and have little uh, flat patches during the this season. Yeah, it's been the one year where once you think you're out of it, you're, you're going to be well and truly out of it. And uh, we've saw that this week and we'll talk about one of those games later on. But we'll get into the analysis away from the hypothesis of what might happen during this COVID period into what happened in round 15, the big wins and bad beats. And so just simple question each time, good win or bad beat. We'll start off with your favourite club, Sydney, 10 goals, 7, 67, defeated Melbourne, 6 goals, 10, 46. Is it a good win for Sydney or a bad beat for Melbourne? Oh, great win for Sydney. We've been talking about Sydney for a while. That, In my opinion, I think that they're, you know, not far off turning it around. Like they get Buddy back next year. They get some injured players back. They're going to go they, – they get some really good draft picks this year through the academy. Um, and they're, they're definitely on the right track. Like like Freeman, I think them and Freeman are flying under the radar because of Gold Coast and, you know, even to a certain extent, probably Brisbane still get a lot of plaudits because they're – you know, pretty young still, but I think Sydney and Fremantle were fine under the radar. People like to talk about Carlton and Gold Coast and those sorts of teams down the bottom that are getting better, but Sydney and Fremantle are low flying. So, um, and as for Melbourne, well, I don't know when this club's going to wake up to themselves and realise that they're not as good as what they think they are. They can't celebrate a win like they had against St Kilda without facing the facts that they actually weren't that good and weren't... and. The media plays a big part in this and talking them up. Like even even they were saying, oh, like they made excuses like, oh, we were off a four day break. Every club's been off a four or five day break. Every club's been through this. You cannot use it as an excuse. Mm. You, if you keep finding excuses to the fact that you weren't good enough, you're not skilled enough, you have big list deficiencies, and you lack that ticker, then Melbourne will never ever go anywhere, and they'll keep being this pea-hearted club. So, you know. They beat Adelaide North Melbourne, made a big video about it. They beat Collingwood when we were missing buddy half our list. They made a big thing about it. Uh, they went into the Doggies game talking about how they were number one defensive through the corridor and how good they were going and all that sort of stuff. You know, Goodwood in the media talking about how good they're going. And they get fogged by the Doggies and he says, oh, we weren't good enough in these areas, but we we're good enough for three quarters. And I'm thinking, well, no, you just weren't good enough. They come out and luckily beat St Kilda. We, we went through that game last week and, you know, how St Kilda did not win that was it? And everyone was talking about Melbourne's win against St Kilda. If you looked at the dry stats, that, you know, we talk, and I talk about uh, predicted scores and stuff like that a lot. That St Kilda should have won by three or four goals. Ridiculous. But Melbourne have been ridiculous like that for a very long time. What's the solution then for them? Is it like because they've already tried a lot of the things? They've tried to bring in the superstar recycled player that was going to solve their one issue. They've tried to a couple of different coaches. They've tried a couple of different kind of mindsets to how they play their game. What is, is there a way that you fix Melbourne or are some clubs just like cursed? 
for me, I think it's all culture. And um, I was talking about this last night about GWS as well with a mate. Like, I just you just can't rock up and keep doing this. And it's all about culture and leadership. And I think that club is really uh, far behind in that with their coaching and and on field as well. Uh, you know, we've got Max Gorn as their skipper, and you know, good bloke, good player, but is he is he as captain? I think. I still go back to when they won the that game and Max Gorn didn't uh, sing the song. So, yeah, just stuff like that just really reeks at Melbourne. And you mentioned the other club there, GWS. That's going to be our next game to talk about with a lot of the similar issues. So we've got GWS 6-12-48 defeated Carlton 5-9-39. Was it a good win by GWS in the end or was it a bad beat by Carlton or was it just a bad game of footy played by two bad clubs? Uh, well, Carlton might be overrating our list a bit. Start, I've been a big, uh, big fan of Carlton's rebuild. But at the moment, I think uh, they're very fragile mentally and they rely heavily on Cripps to do a lot of the work, a bit like Collingwood Grundy, which we'll go into probably next pod when Collingwood play. But, um, yeah, he's just, I know, just they just seem very one-dimensional, Carlton, at the moment. Uh, but I think they can fix that through this trade period because they've got that many tools they can trade out. They've stockpiled them, which is probably a plan to trade out some of them, get that midfielder and a couple extra players. But anyway, GWS for mine, uh, very selfish club. Um, selfish players, probably worried about their position in the team, worried about contract talks. Um, and that, again, it goes back to leadership and culture. And I think that's one thing when you've got all these players in these high-end uh, talent that, your stockpile, knowing that you're probably going to trade a fair few out eventually to get um, more draft picks in and actually build your list around. But most of them are leaving on good money and then you sign, you know, your skipper to good money. He's probably not playing to expectation. You've got Kelly, who's not really playing to expectation on good money. Jeremy Cameron's the highest paid player this year in the comp and he's playing absolutely dog balls. Like, so at what point do they realise that actually, hang on a minute, our culture's not great? And I've heard people say their culture's good and, you know, it's quite tight up there and stuff. Well, I'm sorry, but you don't rock up and play fully like they have this year. Um, and even last year, they were pretty flaky until it got to the business end of the year. Because um, they didn't make the top four last year, did they? No. So they, they, like, with, the ta- with that much talent on that list, how they're not a top four side, you know, you question their coaching, you question their culture because that list should be getting top four every year. Even like now, over the, some of the injuries they got, you know, Riccardi comes in and plays footy because he's like, I'm loving this moment. I want to be a part of it. And you see what he's doing. And you still got Jeremy Cameron picking and choosing and a couple of other players there that are trying to protect themselves. And again, a lot of them are uncontracted and probably seeking other clubs next year. So if, they got, if their culture is that good, they wouldn't be doing that. They'd be rocking up and getting the job done. So they shouldn't be getting down to teams like, Carlton and they, I did it a few weeks ago against Essendon and needing to get a kick up the ass at three quarter time to get them over the line. So um, I've spoken plenty of times about if you need motivation midway through a game to get you up and about, then you're going to be struggling. So especially when you keep going to the well and getting it, you know, getting the coach to spray you or a player to step up and spray you, if that's what you need to do at three quarter time to get your win, that's going to have a limited effect on a playing group. So it might work once or twice, but if, you keep going to it. It's not going to keep working. So I think GWS, I just put a, put a line through them for this year. They might make finals because they've got a really good draw. So but I'll just be putting a line through them. 
And in long term, what's their what's their solution? Because again, it's not like they don't have talent. It's not like they haven't had talent the whole time. So is it do they, do they need a new voice? They just re-signed Leon Cameron for another two years. So is it the fact that they need new people in that club to kind of give people a reality check, or is it just some honest truths in the off season? What would be your solution to that club? Because obviously the issue isn't talent. I reckon they need to. So Geelong went and got um, Sean Grigg from Richmond. And he's playing like an off-field sort of leadership type. And apparently, you know, everyone's raving about him. You've got Collingwood's got Nick Maxwell. And again, you know, raving about him. So maybe they need to get a bloke in like that. You know, we saw what Hodges done for Brisbane. You know, do they need to get a bloke in that comes in who's got some serious clout, even if it's a player, and just reset their sort of thinking and mentality? And... I don't know, maybe even like you see a lot of clubs that have been successful at the moment have wellness coaches and doing that sort of stuff. Does GWS have that? Do they do, they do wellness training and stuff like that? Like, you know, there's lots of small things clubs can do that um, get an extra 2 or 3%. So I don't know whether GWS has that. I, I actually don't know. So they might, but if, it, if they do, it's not working. So mm-hmm. they're not there to change that up. And maybe Leon Cameron needs some fresh assistance, some with a new idea. Maybe he goes after a Solomon or something like that who, who's known to be a bit of a player's man and, and see what they can do because yeah, whatever they're doing now isn't working. I know they made the grand final last year, but let's be honest, they got pretty... I mean, they played some great footy in the finals, but I mean, if you look at their performances year, years before and even now, like, you know, their, talent, their, their list has not got them what they should be getting. That's a flag. And whilst it's kind of is ironic as well to look at that and be like, he didn't get the result to use a person who got accused of that Buckley's own quote is also his, you got to try and find your life to be a bit more fuller than just the flag. And I think that's the problem where you see when it becomes to that crunch time, except for the grand funnel, the giants are actually quite good. They play amazing funnels football, but the rest of the time they don't seem to enjoy the process. As you said, yeah. players like Jeremy Cameron doesn't look to be like, oh, geez, I'm loving the fact I can play three games in 11 days or I'm loving the fact I'm up here on in, in a hub with with some of my best mates who are in this footy club, they all are kind of disinterested with each other and disinterested with the game itself and kind of like, well, are we going to play finals or not? Are we a chance actually winning the flag this year? If not, well, let's just pack it up and, and go home because we don't really like football that much. We just kind of like winning. Even in the media, they get like some of the clubs are very good in the media, but GWS this year being a bit plain, a bit boring us. I don't know. You, you look at what Gold Coast are doing. Like, mm. And they've got now getting they're pretty much getting the rebuild of the talent that GWS had. And you see what they're they're very open and allow the media in and are very good with all that sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah, I, I just I just worry about GWS's whole mindset. Finally, some good news for some uh members of the football community. Big win or bad beat. Brisbane six six forty two defeated Collingwood five four thirty four. Which side of the coin do you sit on this one, Baz? Uh good win for Brisbane. Uh they'll cleaner. Um, still a bit inefficient going forward, but that's, I mean, that was Collingwood's good defence, but they'll just clean around the stoppages, clean around the ball. Um, very good win for them. It probably does a lot for their psyche, to be honest, because they beat a big club and they've been struggling to do that the last few years. And they broke a hoodoo of 6-0, which I think um, will, again, help like, further down the track if they come across a Richmond or a Geelong. Um and I think they matured as a club. And we, again, I mentioned last week that when we did the preview for this game that they've been a bit quiet this week, Brisbane. They didn't really talk up in the media like they had been doing with the Richmond games and stuff like that. Yet 
And then last night in the press, I was Chris Fagan said we took a, a you know we purposely approached this week a bit quieter, try to keep it under wraps, you know, and it worked. So interesting to see how they go um, pre-finals when all the media hypes around them, especially playing in Brisbane how they approach that because I think the quiet little um, let's just worry about ourselves approach works better than the we're ready for them and the big bravado. Um, for Collingwood, it's extremely frustrating as a supporter at the moment because we're playing, we're back to playing some good footy. Our defence stands up, our midfield's getting the job done. Uh, Brody Grunny looks tired. He looks like he needs to break. Our ruck is an, is, has been an issue lately. Like He played a great last quarter against Parton, but he, he just doesn't look like he's 100%. And why we keep playing him and running him into the ground, I don't know. Like, let's just rest him for a week or two. We'll get nine days now, so hopefully he has a bit of a freshen up. Our midfield's going all right. Um, but it's just our ball use going inside that final third. And I heard last night, and you would, you would have heard a few of my voice memos last night. Just It wouldn't matter if we had Buddy, Wayne Carey, Jason Dunstall, Tony Lockett all down there, Cyril Rioli, Eddie Betsy's prime. Because the way we're kicking the ball inside 50 or to that t- to our forwards, it just doesn't help. Now, whether that's a fact our forwards leading pattern isn't great or uh, for me, I just put it down to a lot of um, disposal smarts and kick, not kicking it to our forwards advantage and then or just not kicking it <laughs> very good at all. And if I was Jamie Elliott, he put in a great performance last night. I reckon he was our best player apart from probably Dacos. Obviously, I'd seriously be going, what am I doing playing for Lonnie? No wonder he wants more midfield time. Because you just be, I'd be wanting to, I'd be wanting to, literally walk out to some of those blokes and say, "What the hell are you doing to me?" Like Cal Brown last night, had two kicks in the last quarter that you know, don't in no pressure, just turn it straight over just by not kicking to the advantage of the forward. It just happens week in, week out, and it just gets really, really frustrating. Um, as a con- we had just as much, and we had more inside fifties again last night. Mm. But our efficiency when we go inside forward fifty is disgusting. So for mine, I think it's a bit of a bad beat on Conletar because if you look at how he matched up in the pressure areas and, again, all those uh, predicted scores and stuff, we actually, you know, we had less shots on goal and probably were pretty, you know, we should, we were eight, what, eight points away. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating and um, it's something you can't really work on because you can't train together as a group. And, again, I don't think we've got our forward mixed right. We had... Uh, Cox gets pushed off the ball too easy, so you know I'd rather probably get someone else down there. But Buckley's refusing to go back to some younger players. That it, you know, we sh- it's pretty. It must be pretty hard as well. We saw last night with Max Lynch, like he hasn't played footy for eighteen months, and he gets thrown into a high pressure, quick pace game like that. No wonder he looked a bit out of it. Because hey, how would you like, ever prepare? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to prepare. He's, it'll take you know two or three games of that to get used to it. So. Does he get that opportunity? We don't know. But, um, yeah, interesting times. But, no, nah, good win by Brisbane and Collingwood. Hopefully we got jo- uh, Gold, Coast, Gold Coast Suns and Port Adelaide to come and we just need one more win and we'll be fine. Final question, Baz. It's to do with Adelaide 12-11-83, defeated Hawthorne 7-6-48. Does Hawthorne just blow it all up? That was really disappointing. They even brought back senior experienced players for that game because they didn't want to lose and they – Adelaide are very similar, and, and same with North Melbourne. It's not their younger players that are stuffing up and not performing. It's their older players that 
you expect more from that need to be leading the way than aren't performing. So Hawthorne were the same last week. This, you know, the Mitchell, the Warples, the Bruce Gunstons, Burgoynes, you know, those sorts of blokes just, you know, didn't step up. And they got, they, again, like they did against Essendon, like against Essendon, they, they, for the first half, they smashed Essendon just even though they were getting hammered in the clearances. They got absolutely flogged in the clearances by Adelaide. Now, Adelaide's midfield is not <laughs> nothing to write home about, but they got absolutely flogged. And then you got probably one of the better ruckmen in the comp seeing it half back. So what? Why is he stubborn to chuck McAvoy? Well, I don't know how many times I spoke with this. Yeah. I feel like I'm just yeah. Anyway, Hawthorne definitely you know, need a rebuild. Is Clarko the man for the rebuild? I'm, I, he is for mine. Will he stay and do it? Who knows? We'll see what happens. But Adelaide, it's well deserved. They needed a victory. You know, you can see. You see them improving in areas. You can see players getting a bit of confidence like Himmelberg and stuff like that and a few of their mid- young midfielders and across half. They've actually got some decent young halfbackers and some of their players who had injured who have been pretty good this year as well. At least, you know, that's something that from the aim for. They're obviously going to lose a few key experienced players again Adelaide at the end of the year and, you know, they're probably going to go further back next year. But, you know, they got that win. They got some progression. Maybe Knicks can feel relieved for a week. Uh, Hawthorne, I expect them to to show a bit more this week because they would have copped it after that game. But um, I'm just more annoyed that I think three weeks ago on the podcast, I said that Pencil in Adelaide's first win against Hawthorne and we tipped Hawthorne. So uh, when you don't back your gut, Gordo, and, and it comes up, you know, I always say it, back your gut. And uh, probably would have done the same with Sydney if I had backed my gut. But anyway. That's right. Sometimes we get too smart for our own good and it turns out being pretty dumb. That's a silly sentence, but it's a silly season. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Speaking of silly, we've got four silly games to review on this part of the Round 16A podcast. And uh, we've got uh, two good games and two games that probably don't need to be seen by the light of day, but that's okay. We'll review them all regardless. The first one's an upset alert, Baz. Sunday at 6.10, the Western Bulldogs are $2.35 outsiders and West Coast are $1.60 favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. And the line here is just over a goal. And Baz, can you smell a doggy upset here? I mean, actually thinking about this, I, I thought the Doggies would have a decent record against West Coast because of what the, they keep the ball moving and they flick it around a fair bit. And, you know, West Coast aren't known as a high-pressure team, and but they do possess the footy a bit, so I can see why they actually have a bloody good record against the Doggies because they do possess the ball with that short kick and it doesn't really allow the Doggies to play that style. But I have a funny thought. My gut's telling me that, West Coast aren't quite 100%. They missed Kennedy last week. Um, they, they got they got beaten up at the clearances a bit by Essendon. Essendon, you know, played bloody well. And if it were for some kicking woes from Danaher and, and a couple of others, they might have probably beaten West Coast. So I think – and we've seen Essendon play that sort of forward mentality with the handball sort of game style. So – you know, West, Western Bulldogs play something similar. And if West, uh, West Coast rock up that aren't 100%, then I think the Doggies might be able to catch them off guard here. My only concern is if, you know, the West Coast do break in, even in the clearances, do the four line is probably going to be too dangerous for the, for the Doggies. But if the Doggies can get that, that turnover and slingshot half back, they're going to be pretty, and especially if McGovern, you know, McGovern ended up pretty sore in that Essendon game. So does 
quick backup to see you get play. Um, Nick Nat again, you know, he's played pretty much every game this year. Surely it gets to a point where they've got to rest him, but they want to finish top four or top five or in the you know fifth position at least. They can't afford to lose another game either, West Coast. But, you know, what is Hub Life doing to them as well? Who knows? So I'm, I'm thinking about tipping the doggies here, but some unbeknown reason teams aren't out yet. I don't know why teams aren't out when it's a Sunday game, but wouldn't mind seeing whether Kennedy and a few other, what the teams look like. But as it stands, I'm probably going to tip the doggies. But I think if they're tired and they're knackered anyway, the, the trend line here shows that West Coast is ranked 16th in fourth quarter performances. The doggies are one of the top six sides at that. So I'm saying this kind of managing, playing out the way that kind of that kind of two stats suggest it will. The doggies can keep it close and then overrun at the end. And I think the doggies have a bit more to play for. As much as West Coast can't finish too low, like a fourth or a fifth place is not too much difference this year unless – and probably actually West Coast might even want to finish fifth so they get to hit, fly back to Perth for one week. But I think the Dogs have a slightly bit more play for probably slightly fresher. And we've seen this year, as although history suggests that the Eagles do dominate against the Dogs, the Dogs will bring out all the struggles that the Eagles have had this year, especially in a, on the East Coast instead of the West Coast. So I'm leaning towards the Doggies as well for this one. And the, I, I did notice before I was looking at, for unders overs for those games on Sunday, there's, it's meant to be raining and stuff at Metricon and the Gabba. Mm would really bring the doggies in because we know how poor West Coast are when the, when the, when the game's a wet game and the grounds and the ball's on the ground. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking doggies here. And like I said, doggies have a lot to play for. This is a top eight game. West Coast, yeah, they're going to finish the top eight. Do they want to finish fifth and have to fly to West Coast for a week and then back to the hub? I, I don't think they I don't know how, what their mindset's like with that, and I, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be too happy about what's happened in the last week. But anyway, and Doggies have had an extra few days break as well. So um, West Coast have come off two pretty um, high-intensity games as well. I think they've, what, they played Richmond and Essendon. Now they've got um, the Doggies, you know, quick turnarounds as the Doggies have had that extra bit of break. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the Doggies, in a, in, if it's a wet, especially if it's a bit wet, they'll... Uh, probably have a bit too much ground and, and speed and smartness at ground level for the Eagles. Second going to talk about is a litmus test. Sunday at 3.35, Geelong are $1.31 favourites against Essendon, $3.50 outsiders at the Gabba. The line here is three goals. Now, on paper, this looks like an easy Geelong win, but we have seen Geelong come out against sides like North Melbourne, like Adelaide, and not turn up for one, two, three quarters, and then uh, try and get the job done in the last quarter. Will they turn up against an Essendon side that I think this year has been overrated and so a lot of people will be seeing this opportunity to get some good odds on the Bombers? Uh, no, Geelong win just because uh, Joe Danaher is meant to be rested. Um, and there's a few, I think there's a couple other players that are looking to rest, uh, like Stringer and stuff like that. I'm, from what I'm hearing, whether it happens or not, I'm not sure, but that's what I'm understanding. Um, and Geelong is so well set up, wet weather game. Their midfield, if it's if it's wet, like like I said, I looked up the weather. It's meant to be wet. Uh, Geelong's big body midfielders will just do too much damage inside and get the surge the ball forward, and then from there on, Geelong just really well set up and be hard for Essendon to break through. Especially if they try that flick around handball style game in the wet, it won't work. So, no, nah, Geelong win. Geelong definitely win that. Yeah, hard to disagree with you there, but you know. Got to find the angles, got to check all the bases. 
Speaking of uh, checking all the bases, here's two games that we'll talk about very briefly. Tip and forget games, Saturday, tonight's only game. It's Saturday and there's only one game, Baz, and this is it. North Melbourne, $6.50 outsiders against Port Adelaide, $1.12. Metricon Stadium, the line here is 31 and a half, and the over-under is one twenty. Uh, why should people watch this game, Baz? How's it, a, how's it a Saturday with one game and they dish us up this trash? Like, seriously, AFL, get you, like, you've done a good job, but this is a big mistake. I'm waiting. Oh, I'm, supp- I'm doing a cane ponzi. I, I can't. I, I'm waiting for, you know, this is, uh, get me on footy classified to talk about this for an hour. It's a joke. <laughs> um, Port win and Port win comfortably and North just want the season to be over and I don't blame them. And they're missing a fair few players, yes, but they're, they're a shell of a club at the moment and they're, um, yeah, they're in big trouble. And I know they generally do bounce back a bit after a loss like this, but again, this is probably the third time I think they've had a big loss and then the second that they've come back the following week and shown a bit more ticker, but um and then they go back to being really, really poor. I, I don't think they'll uh I don't think they'll show much uh this week because you can't again I keep saying you can't keep going back to the well. Yeah, especially when score. there's nothing left in the well and there's nothing left in the season for this club. And yeah, I cannot see how Porto lose this game. Um, if they do, it's a, it'll be absolutely mind-blowing. Truly, truly mind-altering. And then the last game to review, another probably tip and forget one, Sunday, 105, St Kilda and $1.31 favourites against Hawthorne, $3.75 outsiders. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is just under four goals. Now, we have had trust issues with St Kilda before. But surely St Kilda does not lose to a club that just lost to Adelaide by over 30 points. I'll tell you what, we've got some friends that um, if St Kilda do lose this game, are going to cop some, an absolute barrage of abuse. Put it this way, if St Kilda lose this, they miss the finals. They're playing a team they should be beating. A part of me is worried because I just know what... Um, they dish up. What they dish up, yes, but what also what Hawthorne can do. Hawthorne can just a bit of Jekyll and Hyde about him can just show up to that today and just, Oh, sorry, tomorrow. Oh yeah. Tomorrow. And just absolutely, um, you know, somehow pull out a game like they did against Richmond earlier in the year or, you know, just play some amazing football and blow St. Kira out of the water. But I just can't see how that St. Kira can let that happen. There's too much to play for. St. Kira should be winning. Hawthorne again, probably just want the season to be finished. So, yeah, I'm tipping some killed up, but I'll tell you what, if they get done, I've given uh, Collingwood and Melbourne a clip today on this podcast, St Kilda. If you lose to Hawthorne, get ready for yours. Do you have any feature bits? Um, look, it's pretty barren. Um for betting wise, this this next the next four games, yeah. Um, I did I did like either team under fifteen under fifteen points in the doggies West Coast game because I just feel like it's going to be uh, a close game no matter what. So two dollars twenty there, um, I thought might be a bit of value, and I thought Port Adelaide at the line uh, yesterday was decent. It was like 27 and a half, 28, but then it's, it's Buying out to 31, so 
probably don't want to be touching that. And yeah, I think I'll probably just leave these games alone because I mean, you could just take them all head to head because they should be winning. But yeah, it's a pretty, pretty barren sort of weekend of footy, isn't it? It is, but I found two angles and it's given me three bets. So we'll take that as they come. Best bet, Geelong to win the first quarter, Geelong to win head-to-head is $1.77. And yep. Essendon are ranked 16th in first quarters. They won't show up. They've already tried their hardest, but their season's basically done. Rest in Joey Danaher. Give it to the Cats early. Cats win all day long. Value bet, Western Bulldogs to win the fourth quarter. Bulldogs to win head-to-head is $3.50. Uh, West Coast being ranked 16th in fourth quarters. They're a knackered side with heaps of injuries. Shuey's going to be out. Kenny coming back from a concussion. Maybe resting Nick Knack. Tired led, not on their preferred West Coast uh, state. Therefore, doggies win that one and doggies run them over in the wet late. And if you roll all of those together, you get about $6.22 value for a nice rough bit action to keep you interested on your Sunday. However, not much I can do for you for tonight's game. I think, yeah, I'll just be sitting out this weekend punting in the footy and just hope that the uh, Howe Romantic and Aja Shivery and Kenan get the job done today in the races and that'll be about me, I reckon. Sounds like a good plan. And we'll, uh, after you've enjoyed your winnings and trappings of your horse racing form, we'll uh, reconvene for the rest of round 16. 